student pharmacists, and welcome back to the Offscript podcast series created by your APHA ASP Policy Standing Committee. This interview-based podcast series was created to encourage our listeners to think outside the prescription pad. My name is Lauren Dickerson. I'm a member of the 2019-2020 Policy Standing Committee and your host for this episode. This year, we focus on issues that the APHA ASP members determined were important to them based on the results of the 2019 APHA ASP House of Delegates. Offscript gives us the chance to speak with fellow pharmacists and other experts on the subjects of the past resolutions. focus on Resolution 2019.2, which is an amendment to Resolution 2015.4. Resolution 2015.4 discusses APHA ASP's support of increased access to opioid reversal agents for pharmacists, student pharmacists, and community members. It addresses two specific areas, support of legislation that allows increased access to opioid reversal agents and pharmacist and student pharmacist-led public education about opioid reversal agents. Resolution 2019.2 adds a third point, that schools and colleges of pharmacy should incorporate opioid reversal agent training into the curriculum so that all pharmacy graduates are equipped to help combat the opioid crisis. Today, I am joined by Donna Metcalf. Donna is a third-year student pharmacist at East Tennessee State University, Bill Gatton College of Pharmacy. She's been involved with Generation Rx since her first year of pharmacy school and currently serves as the chair of the committee. Donna, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for asking me. I'm very excited to be here. So to start, could you tell us a little bit about your experience with Generation Rx and why you're so passionate about uh, opioid reversal agents? Yeah, so like you said, I've been involved with Generation Rx since the beginning of pharmacy school. Um, I now get to round out my third year as chair. I'm sad to to let it go, but I'm excited to see where it's going to go in the future. I was actually exposed to Generation Rx a little bit through an internship that I had done before I got into pharmacy school and kind of started my passion from there. But Then our APHA chapter actually hosts an event each fall where we teach the first year students, you know, basic things, how to use a glucometer, how to use blood pressure cuffs, things like that. And we also teach them how to use naloxone. And um, from there, I kind of jumped in with both feet and I've never really looked back. Absolutely. So to To provide some context of what we're talking about today, could you explain the current state of the opioid crisis that's happening in America and then the role that opioid reversal agents play in helping combat it? So like you said, we are in East Tennessee region where we are very hard hit by the opioid epidemic. And um, of course, that's all across the nation as well. So it's a very serious um, thing that's happening across the country. And unfortunately, it's it's not really seeming to get any better. And so the opioid reversal agents are kind of our, our tools against that, if you will. And so we've been trying to go out and train people how to use naloxone or Narcan um, as the opioid reversal agent to try to do everything we can to combat it. And so what are the most common opioid reversal agents? And could you explain some of the differences between them? Yeah, of course. 
course. So naloxone is the generic name for it. Um, you can hear brand names like Narcan or Evzio. Um, you can, it comes as an intramuscular injection or an intranasal spray. And um, Narcan, the nasal spray, is by far the most common one that you're going to come in contact with. Okay. So student pharmacists may have um, heard different things about the laws surrounding naloxone, and they're, they're kind of confusing some federal laws versus state laws and who can carry it. Can you kind of help add some clarity to that? Oh my gosh, yes, they are so confusing. And honestly, that's probably the most common question I get at any training ever. Everyone always wants to know, what are the laws in my state? And, and honestly, it really does vary by state. And so I kind of, I don't really have a good answer for that one because they are so different for each state. Um, there is a really awesome website called the Prescription Drug Abuse Policy, Policy System, and that's pdaps.org. And it has a super awesome interactive map that you can go and click your state and it'll tell you everything from if the prescribers and the dispensers have civil liability and immunity and even all the way down to the people giving naloxone and those who are receiving it. So that is your, your definite resource to answer all those questions there. Okay, thank you so much. That helps add a lot of clarity to things that can be really confusing. And I have personally used that map before and know that it can be really helpful. Um, do you know of any state or federal legislation that's passed recently to increase access to opioid reversal agents? It's definitely been a hot topic in legislation. I mean, obviously, APHA is talking about it. Um, it's one of those things that still has a lot of stigma surrounding it right now. And so that's another thing that we are trying to, to combat as well. There's stigma with lay people and even in the medical professional um, in the medical profession. And so it's really hard to um, try to get people to listen to you, honestly. So there is a lot of legislation going on um, in, in Tennessee, and I'm sure other states as well, trying to get more access out there available to it. Very good. So could you speak to your experience in helping put together and edit the statewide naloxone trainings in Tennessee and Virginia? That honestly has been so much fun throughout pharmacy school. We've done a major overhaul on both the Tennessee and Virginia um, training PowerPoints, but we also got to combine, kind of combine both of them and make a overarching national presentation that kind of doesn't necessarily narrow down the laws for each state, but tells the person what they need to know um, just to be able to go save a life with naloxone. And so it's, it's been a lot of fun to, to get all that information together for the different states. That's a really interesting experience. How many naloxone trainings have you given? I get that question all the time, and I honestly do not <laughs> have a good answer for it. Um, I think that if I were to go back and look at our APHA reports each year, knowing that I've been doing this for three years now, um, mm -hmm. I'd say I probably host around 20 to 30 a year. And I mean, they can range from anywhere from one person to a thousand people. So it is a wide range there. And I have not been able to keep up with the numbers. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so do you have any impactful stories from patients or community members um, in the trainings that you've done? There have been so many stories. Some of them have been 
really happy stories about people who have been grateful to receive naloxone um, so that they can go save their family members and friends. But unfortunately, a lot of the the more impactful ones that I've heard have been the ones that they they kind of wish they had the naloxone earlier. It's, mm-hmm. That the training has been a little too late and that they wish they would have had the information before to save the life of one of their friends or loved ones. And so knowing that we've gone out and trained anyone from the lay people to medical professionals, um, I've got a lot of different uh, views coming in on it. And so there have been stories from kids about their parents overdosing in front of them and stories of people watching their husband and wife pass away just because they didn't know how to save them. And they were too scared to call any kind of law or medical professional because they were too scared of the liabilities on their end. So it's, it's really sad all the way around. And I'm glad that, that there's more legislation getting out there so that there's more protection for people and maybe that more people are, are more interested in it and more educated on how important it is. Absolutely. So how can student pharmacists train to be able to give the naloxone trainings like you have? So unfortunately, again, that's one of those things that varies by state. Um, But knowing that there is some states where you go out and you have to be trained to be a trainer um, and they teach you what you need to know to have the presentation. And then they also go through the answers to some of the more common questions that you'll get along the way. Um, But in some states, you don't have to be trained to be a trainer. You can just um, be trained yourself and then go out and and do it. And so my recommendation would be for anyone that's involved with Generation Rx and APHA to really utilize your faculty mentors. Um, they can kind of serve as a preceptor if you want to go out in the community. Um, if they've been trained, they'll be there to help you maybe navigate it and answer any questions that you might be unsure about. Okay. And how can community members and student pharmacists obtain naloxone? Again, that's definitely going to vary by state and honestly, even by your area and your state. A lot of the states across the country are you're able to go and get it at a health department or a local anti-drug abuse um, kind of community organization. So I would definitely um, encourage everyone to to Google those resources because that is a question that I get all the time, even when I'm not at an naloxone training and and community members. In most states, again, it is going to vary, can go get it at a pharmacy without having to get a prescription from their prescriber. So we are trying to make it really accessible. It's just getting the information out there about how accessible it is. That's the barrier. Right. And if you were to go get it from a pharmacy, would insurance actually cover that? In most states. So again, we're in Tennessee and, and I have been seeing that it has covered it. Um, at least maybe with like a copay, but you can run it through the insurance. It is a prescription drug. And again, like I was mentioning earlier, that prescription drug abuse policy system, you can actually see the laws about if it needs to be prescribed to you or if you can give it to somebody else, those kinds of things. Okay. That's, That's good information. So why do you think it's important for all student pharmacists to be trained in opioid reversal as a part of their pharmacy school curriculum? Oh, I think it's so important. I mean, like I said, that's how my love for Generation Rx started. So I would encourage all of you to get involved with Generation Rx. Um, But this past year, 
um, in starting in 2019, we were actually able to initiate a program where now all of our first year students are trained in their orientation week before they start their first year. Wow. So um, they actually come in their first day of school knowing how to use naloxone, the importance of it. Um, and a lot of times we're able to provide them with their own naloxone to be equipped with as well. And so now all of those students coming in are able to immediately jump in and participate in trainings and go out and train even more community members. And so it's it kind of just spreads like wildfire at that point. Absolutely. And how can pharmacists and student pharmacists help reduce the stigma associated with opioid use disorder and the use of naloxone? This year, we actually went back and incorporated a a larger portion of our own naloxone presentation to address the stigma related um, because um, we were getting so many questions about, um, well, these people are just drug seekers and drug abusers and, and really using all those titles is in itself creating stigma. So when you call somebody a crackhead or a, um, a frequent flyer to your hospital, all of those things are just increasing the stigma surrounded with opioid use disorder or any type of substance use disorder. And um, a lot of those patients have actually told me that they are too afraid to come receive the care that they need because of the stigma associated with it. And so if we can break down the stigma within our own profession and with, with our fellow healthcare professions, we can start to reduce the stigma that the patients feel and therefore increase the care that they're able to receive in the long run. Absolutely. I completely agree with you. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. That is all the questions I have. Any final um, thoughts or comments that you would like to add? I just wanted to thank you again for asking me to participate in this. You know, I love talking about naloxone and anything um, opioid use related. Um, it's just really a strong passion of mine. And you don't have to be personally impacted by addiction or by any type of use disorder to be passionate about this field. And uh, just having that passion can really spark you to become an agent of change in your own community to, to go out and help somebody save a life. Well, thank you so much, Donna. Thank you. According to the CDC, there were more than 67,000 drug overdose deaths in the United States in 2018, and almost 70% of those involved opioids. While this is a staggering number, the rate of overdose deaths actually decreased 4.6% in 2018, highlighting the collaborative efforts of so many to end the epidemic. As one of the most accessible healthcare providers, it is imperative that as we move forward, Pharmacists and student pharmacists are equipped with the knowledge and resources to continue making a positive impact in our community and on our profession.